Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Piercing the Paradigm Podcast. I'm your host, Aura Jade, and this week we're going to be talking about boundaries. So, now, let me just say, I know that this episode is late. I made a vow to myself to post every two weeks. However, I actually just had to put one of my furry babies uh, to sleep, so I just wanted to take some time to process that and to, you know, allow myself the space to grieve because, you know, I had him for eight years and he was like my, my son, basically, so I definitely wanted to give myself that time and space, but I also wanted to honor myself by sticking to my commitment of <laughs> posting or publishing every two weeks. So here we are a week later, but that's okay. I'm showing myself some grace. Um, so yeah, this episode I'm actually super excited about because it's a, it's going to be really in depth. I, I made sure that I went and I gathered a lot of resources for this episode because if you're anything like me or like half the world, you struggle with implementing boundaries and really setting them and asserting them. So I wanted to really get down to the hows, whys, and what's of boundaries and give you guys the tools that you need to set those boundaries that your inner child needed all those years ago and to also work through your shadows in order to confidently set those boundaries and assert them. So we are going to just jump right in because, I, like I said, I did a lot of research. I didn't want to just go based on my own personal experience because boundaries within itself is such an expansive topic. So, um, yeah, with that being said, I've got a ton of information. We're just going to dive right in. All right. So first and foremost, I wanted to take some time to define what boundaries really are. Right now, the Oxford dictionary defines boundaries as a line that marks the limits of an area um, a limit of subject or sphere of activity so objectively that's correct however it's not really applicable to personal boundaries but it's applied right so this is what my understanding of boundaries are personal boundaries are emotional mental physical and spiritual limits of allowance It is the practice of openly communicating and asserting personal values and morals as a way to preserve and protect against having them compromised or violated. Now, the last half is definitely ad-libbed, but the first part of it, personal boundaries are emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual limits of allowance. It's what you are willing to allow in your space, in your energy. Now, be mindful. Without having set boundaries, you can allow a lot to occur in your physical and, you know, energetic space. So really what boundaries are, are what you assert and apply to protecting your your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual space. Now, I think a lot of people when they first begin to assess their boundaries or lack thereof, 
they tend to okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna generalize here because i can't speak for everyone but when i first began my journey in learning to set my boundaries and really reviewing where in my life i lacked boundaries i immediately began to put up barriers instead and that's what boundaries aren't (laughs) barriers are more so roadblocks to you know, intimacy and connection and being able to be vulnerable and allow others to be vulnerable with you. And that comes from, it came from, for me, anger of, I can't believe I let this go on so long. I can't believe I didn't realize so-and-so was taking advantage of me. I can't believe, I can't believe. And it started to become, it started to become anger and resentment. And that led more to barriers more than boundaries. And that's why we're back here (laughs) at square one with boundaries. (laughs) But um, boundaries also aren't manipulative manipulative tools, meaning they're not meant to be used to control others' behaviors, actions, or beliefs, or try to manipulate someone into doing or being what you believe they should do or believe. And I think there's such a confusion on where the line is drawn on barriers and boundaries, okay? So then, honestly, there's two type of people in the world. Um, nah, maybe three. So there's healed people, healing people, and unhealed people. When we talk about boundaries, healed people not only set healthy boundaries, but they accept and respect the boundaries that others implement to maintain their own values and comfort. They also accept accountability when they've crossed someone else's boundaries and take responsibility in ensuring that they don't repeat the same steps it, you know, that cause them to overstep the boundary in the first place. So that's really what a healed person does when they receive boundaries or when they set boundaries, right? And a healing person is someone who's well on their way to understanding that. Now, on the complete flip side, the 180, you have unhealed people. Now, in many instances, unhealed people take the boundaries of others personally. They feel like it is a personal slight for someone to set boundaries with them because A, they are either standing in their power and sticking up for themselves, and this person can no longer manipulate them. This person can no longer misuse or abuse their kindness or have the same level of access to them that they've once had. And you'll know the difference when you start to set these boundaries with how people react to you. If someone is open and understanding to your new boundaries, it's likely that person is either a healed person or somebody who is in the process of healing. Whereas if someone takes it personally or feels disrespected or wants to stop talking to you or is angry with you for setting these boundaries, it's very clear that that's someone who's still unhealed and has a lot of healing to do. And I say all of this because it's important that a lot, um, I, I often hear, at least amongst my friend group, that setting boundaries is such a tricky thing because they fear that it won't be receptive or um, it won't be well received by those in their immediate environment. And 
we'll talk about this a little later on the episode, but it really goes on to show how connected boundaries are to abandonment wounds and codependency wounds and all the wounds where you rely heavily on the validation or be- of others or the need to belong. So that's really important to understand the responses you receive from different types of people when you go ahead and set those boundaries. It shouldn't stop you from setting them, but at least now you can have like a marker to kind of understand that's not my shit. That's that person's shit. You know what I mean? Like just because they're upset about me setting boundaries doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me selfish. It doesn't make me disrespectful. Matter of fact, it makes me the complete opposite of those things, you know? So within my research and prior to that point, I didn't realize it. And although it seems um, not just reasonable, but it seems obvious, I didn't realize that there are specific types of boundaries that should be practiced being set. And I came across a work by licensed therapist Elizabeth Earnshaw. And she discussed the different types of boundaries. I even added one of my own because it wasn't on her list. But for me, it's a boundary that definitely needs to be exercised. So I want to share with you guys the types of boundaries that, um, you know, therapist Elizabeth Earnshaw came up with or not came up with. I don't think she came up with them. But uh, in her workings expressed as some of the top types of boundaries. So first she mentioned that there are physical boundaries. Now these physical boundaries are all about your personal space and your comfort with physical interactions and physical needs. When she says physical needs, she's referring to like rest and water and food, right? So an example of a physical boundary would be, I'm not big on hugs, I prefer handshakes. So, of course, the most important part of boundaries is communicating them. So it would be you're communicating what you do not like or what is a boundary for you, and you're offering an alternative, right? Now, a violation to this particular boundary could be someone hugging you without asking first or someone touching you or being in your personal space without asking you first or you're, you know, you are, you're on a walk with your friends and you're like, hey, I need to take a rest. I need to take a break. And they're like, no, you can break when we finish. And that, that's when you have to reassert your boundary. And like, hey, I need to, to rest, as I said, and I will be with you shortly. You know what I mean? Like really just getting into being okay with standing up for yourself, even when someone tries to cross a boundary. The next type of boundary is an emotional boundary. Now, these boundaries are all about respecting and honoring your feelings and your energy. You know, knowing when and to share your energy and when to conserve your energy. And a prime example of this would be, I am so sorry that you're having a tough time right now, but I do not have the capacity to take this information in. Can we discuss it at a later time? So again, you're expressing your boundary, but you're also offering an alternative. Whereas a violation to this particular boundary would be someone who comes and emotionally dumps on you without your permission. And this could look like 
you know, you know, those, the, the friend that will FaceTime you without warning and you kind of just answer it because you don't exercise your boundaries and they go full fledged into dumping mode, not asking you if you have the capacity, not asking you how your day was, glad you're alive, just full on, full blown dump fest. And you feel uncomfortable stopping them or you feel uncomfortable letting them know that now is not the right time to have this conversation. So you kind of just allow yourself to be dragged into the chaos of their life and you just don't set that boundary. So that's what emotional boundaries would look like. Now, this one I added myself and this would be spiritual boundaries. So for me, what that looks like is respecting my spiritual and religious beliefs and that of others. So not discounting anyone else's beliefs, but also standing firm in what I believe, you know, with with the understanding that there's always going to be room to grow and to accept other people's points of views, but not allowing others to undermine my beliefs and my values and a violation of that or excuse me an example of that would be i understand that you're a christian but i do not share those values you know these are my values and kind of sharing what you believe now a violation of that would look like someone offering unsolicited unsolicited religious or spiritual advice to you after you've already communicated that let's say for instance you don't subscribe to the Bible or the workings of the Bible. And this is just an example. And someone is coming and is telling you, you need to read the Bible. And it's just like, my guy, I already told you, that's not my jam. And they continue to kind of pressure you into that, you know? So one, another one of Elizabeth's boundaries is time. Understanding your priorities and communicating your ability to commit honestly. Now, this is something that I struggle with. I am one of those people who my friends will invite me to things. And I will just say yes off the strength of, okay, actually like spending time with this person. They're my friend. You know, I want to spend time with them or I want to make them happy or I want to, I like fear of missing out still also. But and we'll talk more about this later with the codependency but really understanding that you don't have to overcommit yourself in order to be deemed valuable in order to be deemed worthy um and that can be a boundary you know one that you hold for yourself by not overcommitting yourself and then one you uphold for others by giving them the actual time that you have available for whatever it is they need. And if that time doesn't work for them, that it's okay that it doesn't work for them, but you don't have to change what you have going on in order to make space for them, right? And, you know, so what an example of this would look like is I'm happy to help you with that. My hourly rate is. Now, (laughs) this is a really big one, especially for the entrepreneurs out there or those who have a talent or a skill that people commonly will come and ask you for your help but do not want to pay you for your time or you feel insecure or mean (laughs) 
for lack of a better word, mean for wanting to charge people for your time and your talent. And then a violation of this would be giving others your time in a professional capacity without payment or asking others for their professional insight without paying them. Literally, if this person is being paid to do this job elsewhere, why do you feel entitled to their free time or to like to their time for free? Like, I don't understand that. It, it makes no logical sense. It's like me going to McDonald's and saying, can you please make me a burger? And the person is on break. Obviously, why, why would I... You know what I mean? Or maybe that's not even a good example. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You guys know where I'm going with that. That's okay. So another type of boundary is sexual boundaries. And this is definitely really big, at least for me. I struggled very early on with sexual boundaries because, let's be honest, a lot of us as women are conditioned to be a source of pleasure for our partner or a source of a source of being the how do I want to say provider I'm I'm struggling to find the right word but we were conditioned to kind of sex isn't about us specifically if that's because that's the best way that I can put it right like that like sex isn't about us it's about their pleasure more so right and the sexual boundaries is all encompassing of your personal preferences consent respect and mutual understanding around any of the sexual acts or behaviors that are going to be occurring in the connection or, or with uh, with whoever you're with. And an example of this would be discussing and asking for what pleases you, right? And being open and honest and communicating what it is you need sexually in this, in that connection, in that relationship, in that experience, and what you don't like, what doesn't please you. Now, a violation of a sexual boundary would look something like being criticizing other people for their sexual preferences or allowing other people to criticize you for your sexual preferences and then still allowing those people to take up space in your life. Like, with boundaries, you have to learn that if someone is repeatedly showing you that they do not value your boundaries your values or your morals, it is up to you to remove that person from your life. Okay? So the next type of boundary we have is intellectual. Now this one really took me by surprise because I never would have thought of it on my own to be quite honest, but I'm very glad that it was included because it allowed me the time to review in my life where I lacked intellectual boundaries, which I found quite um, lacking, to be honest. And 
I, I know that this episode doesn't have a lot of personal examples like I usually offer, but this one, I really, like, I'm still in the process of setting my boundaries. I'm still in the process of figuring out my values and morals and the things that matter most to me. So I kind of just wanted to share with you how I'm working through this process myself. But yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little tangent. But intellectual boundaries are about respecting your thoughts, ideas, and curiosities and of those of yourself and those of others. So what that looks like is I can respect that we have differing opinions, right? Being able to say, I, I don't agree with you or we can agree to disagree, but you won't disrespect my point of view and I won't disrespect your point of view. Both can exist at the same time and they can coexist in the same space. A violation of this particular boundary would look something like someone who belittles another from their point of view, makes you feel wrong for not agreeing with them or forcing yourself to agree when you don't agree, forcing yourself to kind of make yourself small because you don't want to look or to seem combative or like you're doing, like you're specifically trying to cause a conflict. And honestly, this is probably one of the most underrated types of boundaries because, like I said, I never would have included it if this was just me making my own list. But respecting your own thoughts is actually a very valuable tool. It's a part of self-respect, and I think that's one part that goes, uh, you know, under-practiced. And lastly, the last type of boundary shared was material. Now, this one I felt like I could kind of do without, but then when I started to read more about it and what it meant and how it is applied, I thought to myself, okay, yeah, this, you know, even if you're not a materialistic person, this is still a very valid area in your life that requires boundaries. So material boundaries refer to possessions and how or if they are shared and the expectations of how they should be treated by others when and if they are shared. So for example, now this includes any material object. It could be your car. It could just be money. It could be, you know, your favorite dress. It could be any of those things that are material, right? So an example of this would be, I can't give any money, but I am happy to help you in another way. So it's letting them know, hey, I don't have the capacity to do this. This is a boundary for me. Giving you money is a boundary for me. However, I do have time. I can help you to do certain things. I can show you how to do this. I can connect you with someone. It, it's still offering that alternative but maintaining your boundary. Now, a violation of this boundary looks something like borrowing items of others without asking or people borrowing your stuff without asking and people who don't take care of your stuff when they borrow it or return it broken or uncared for in whatever capacity. And you're just like, dude, I, I, let, you, <laughs> I let you borrow this and I, I set my expectations for you how I wanted them returned and you didn't do that, right? So I thought it was really important to just go ahead and take some time 
and understand the different types of boundaries that you can be setting for yourself. And it's not just an, an umbrella. Well, it is an umbrella term, boundaries, but there are little subsections within that that really need your attention so that you can best adapt boundaries that are healthy in all aspects of your life. Now, there are a ton of signs that show when you're lacking boundaries. I'm not going to share all of them because, honestly, the, the list can go on and on. But I I love this one particular website. It's called Loner Wolf, L-O-N-E-R, Wolf. And it's a very spiritual website. They focus on pretty much everything spiritual-based. And this particular um, article was talking about signs that you're lacking healthy boundaries. Now, there are, are a few that I found very prevalent in my life, and I'm going to start with those. So this one, <laughs> it, this one, it, it makes me laugh because I always feel like I'm passive aggressive, but I could never really pinpoint why, or I could never really pinpoint how, but this made me realize it. So it says you are passive aggressive and might have manipulative tendencies as a way of trying to regain your lost power. So it's like <laughs> you're not manipulating to be, what's the word? You're not manipulating to be malicious. You're manipulating as a, a way to feel empowered which can really seem like a paradox because you're not really empowered if you have to manipulate someone in order to feel powered, empowered. But at the same time, psychologically, and could very well be based on your own traumas, you are, in fact, feeling empowered by that manipulation. So, yeah, it's definitely a paradox, but I, I found this to be very eye-opening. So, yeah, you have... <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm trying to speak English tonight, guys. Ah, you feel like you have to earn respect by being nice. Oh, my God, yes. If you guys have not listened to the Good Boy, Good Girl Complex episode, just go back and go ahead and listen to that one because that is relevant to this particular sign of lacking healthy boundaries, I spent a lot of time in my life, and sometimes I still do, being extra nice because that is the way I want to be perceived, right? Because I felt like if people perceive me as nice, I don't have to be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to set boundaries, right? Because people know I'm nice. People aren't going to, you know, run me over or whatever, whatever, because I'm nice. And it's, that's not true. It's not true. People will take advantage of your kindness. And honestly, something else I've learned throughout this journey is that there's a difference between niceness and kindness. Kindness is someone who acts with compassion and treats others the way they want to be treated. Whereas niceness is all about you putting on a persona or doing things to manipulate the outcome of how people perceive you, right? And that's, I honestly believe that, that, to, that to be true. 
So you feel guilty when others aren't happy, as if you are responsible. You have chronic fear about what others think of you. Like I said earlier, the need for validation, the need for belonging and acceptance. And then you are what other people want and need you to be and not who you need you to be. This is really important because many of us wear masks and that's why boundaries don't work. Because if you aren't being true to yourself, those boundaries are not applicable to you in a, in a way that is healthy because wearing a mask and not being authentic is not healthy. Unless in fact you have to do it in order to maintain your physical, mental or emotional safety, in which case I understand that's what children do when they're younger, they adapt by learning to be who their parents want them to be because that either awards them the love and affection they desire or it, it guarantees them safety. So yes, it, it's definitely something that at some point, if you grew up in a home where you weren't emotionally, mentally, or physically protected or stimulated, you adapted another persona in order to gain those things that you are lacking. Um, so you fail to speak up when you're treated badly. You give away too much of your time. You say yes to a person when you want to say no, or you agree when you actually feel like disagreeing. You feel guilty for dedicating time to yourself. You feel taken for granted by others. You permit people to touch you when you feel uncomfortable or want them to stop. You constantly feel like the victim. You overshare details about your life with others. So these are just a few of them. If you're interested, definitely go on over to LornaWolf.com. Also, not sponsored. <laughs> but check it out. And there's a longer list. And there's also a whole bunch of details about how to set healthy boundaries, what healthy boundaries look like. It, it's actually just a very helpful read. So definitely check it out. Now... I had to ask myself why I struggle with setting and asserting my boundaries. And although <laughs> there is a myriad of reasons, I had to break it down to four main categories as to why. The first being my relationship with my parents. Now, a lot of us were conditioned to accept the boundaries that were set for us by our parents. So, we didn't really have a chance growing up to be self-autonomous and really understand what our morals and values are because we quickly learned and adapted the morals and values of our environment, our family, those around us, our community. So it really became more so of what morals and values align with the environment that I'm in, which will keep me safe because if I belong and if I am accepted, I feel safe. It, it really, you really never had that chance to, to define for yourself what your beliefs were. And then in turn, we're able to establish boundaries based on those beliefs. Now, like I said, self-autonomy is very big. So when it comes to the relationship with your parents, or at least the ones with, uh, the one with my mom, I feel like there was a lot of times where there wasn't much allowance or trust in my ability to be self-sufficient or, or self-reliant. And that could be something so small and minuscule, such as picking out your own clothing or 
picking out what you had for lunch that day or, you know, making your own lunch, packing your own lunches. It could be something so minuscule where you didn't realize that that act was kind of hindering your self-autonomy until later on in life. Now, obviously, I think it's a beautiful thing when your parents pack you lunches and, and do all those things and kind of make your day easier, obviously. But at the same time, think about it. When you were a child, uh, did you ever really want to wear something? And your mom's like, no, for whatever reason. Maybe it didn't match, or maybe it was too loud, or maybe the occasion didn't call for it. And yes, parents have to make tough calls. I get that. But there's something about allowing a child to make decisions, even small ones for themselves, that lets them know that it is okay to make their own decisions and their own choices, and that they are, in fact, separate from their parents. That is the first taste of self-autonomy, right? Where it's like, I've made this decision, it is being enacted, and that that is like my autonomy. All right, so yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get too much into self-autonomy. That's like a whole nother thing. But um, also disrespect. For me, <laughs> in my family, it was deemed very disrespectful to decline like family events or when you go to family events, not wanting to hug or kiss your aunts or your uncles. And, you know, now, obviously, with this new generation of parents, a lot of parents are practicing the act of not allow, not forcing their children into interactions, whether it be with family or anyone else, that the child is uncomfortable with or that the child does not want to engage in. And that within itself is a boundary. So think about all the times growing up, you were forced to be around family members that you either didn't feel comfortable around or would make you, would cross your boundaries like, you know, you didn't want to be touched or you didn't want to be kissed or hugged or asked or, you know, talked about your body, you know, for many of us women, you know, when your aunts and everyone start noticing your boobs coming in or your, your butt coming in and they're like, ah, and they're assessing your body and you're just kind of standing there uncomfortably, but they're an adult and you've been to told not to, you know, go head up with an adult, right? So you're just kind of standing there uncomfortable and they're crossing your boundaries. But yet, when you say something or you try to speak up, it is deemed a sign of disrespect, right? Declining to hug your uncle, <laughs> you know, declining to want to sit on someone's lap or whatever the case may be. And, you know, in some households, that is deemed disrespectful declining your family or rejecting your family in that sense. And that that's definitely something that was prevalent for me. And this one also, control or ownership of life. And for me, that looked like, you know, a lot of the things that I do in my life, whether it's an accomplishment or, you know, if I change my hair or whatever, it's just very like, oh, what'd you do to my hair? And it's like, uh, this is my hair. It's on top of my head. It's mine. You know, but living that, like, parents who live vicariously through their children or parents who try to still maintain control of their children's lives, in a sense. So growing up, that might have looked like, this is my house, this is my rules. 
and you had to abide by whatever rules your parents set, even if that was in fact crossing a boundary for you. For example, you can't lock your bedroom door or your parents made sure you didn't have a, a doorknob that included a lock, right? So they needed access in and out of your room. That could have been a boundary that was repeatedly crossed for you, you know? And uh, that, that's, that leads me to my next point, which is getting accustomed to your boundaries being crossed and not having the power to do anything. You know, growing up in a family where your space might have been, your privacy might have been invaded. And even when you asked them not to, it was still invaded. So like an example of that would be like having your diary read or your family going into your room when you're not home, even though you've set the boundary that you don't want anyone in your room when you're not home. And then that kind of goes back to the control or ownership over your life. This is my house. This is my rules. You can't tell me what room I can't go into. I pay the bills here. <laughs> this is my house. You're just, you're just, <laughs> you're just squatting, <laughs> you know? So, and, I, and you know, I would definitely say within black households, that's very prevalent where it's, it's like that self-autonomy is deemed extremely disrespectful. And I don't think we talk about that enough or as often as we should, especially within the black community. So, uh, yeah. So that, that, that sums up the one aspect, which is the relationship with parents, basically the relationship with your household growing up. Now, another reason that you might struggle with setting and asserting boundaries is lack of self-awareness and core values. Like I said earlier, a lot of us adapt the values and belief systems of that of our communities and our families. And it, it isn't until later in life we stop and ask ourselves, are these morals and values still even applicable to me, to the person I am, to the person I'm becoming, or am I just holding on to these morals and values because I'm so accustomed to them, I'm comfortable with them? You know, sometimes you really need to stop and take stock and practice self-awareness. A lot of people, if you ask them what their core values are, could not answer you. Many people will ask you, what are values? <laughs> so you really, when it comes to setting boundaries, I think the most important step is self-awareness and understanding what your beliefs, morals, and values are. That will be the stepping stone to what boundaries need to be set. And as I touched on earlier, a really, really big part of me personally struggling with setting boundaries and asserting them is my need for, was, 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 was my need for validation and belonging and my people pleasing tendencies. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to lose friends or have people upset with me or mad at me because I was setting boundaries that made them uncomfortable, or I was setting boundaries that stopped them from being able to have that immediate access to me or stopped them from being able to misuse and abuse my time and energy. Yeah. It, it's really like, it really goes deep. When you start doing the healing work, it's literally like a rabbit hole that just keeps getting darker and deeper 
until you get to the bottom and like at the bottom there's like this little springboard that bounces you back up to the light and then sometimes you kind of miss the jump <laughs> out of the hole and you go back down to the darkness but that spring is still there and you still have the chance to jump back up into the light off on a tangent but that's that's just genuinely how i feel about healing but anyways, um, and the last reason, at least for me, that I struggled with setting and asserting boundaries is the codependency and abandonment wounds. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but the fear of independence and healthy boundaries are closely attached to codependency and abandonment, right? When you think about it, codependency is needing another in order to feel valuable, to feel worthy, in order to kind of just live almost, like really being dependent on something outside of yourself or being afraid in the abandonment sense of someone leaving you because of it, right? So you relinquish your independence, you relinquish your need for boundaries so that you can then chameleon your way to becoming the person that whoever is in your life that you become codependent on to kind of ensure that there is no abandonment that comes out of it, which unfortunately you can never really assure that. But an example of that for me was I would always say that I wanted to live alone. I wanted to live alone. I didn't want anyone near me. I didn't want neighbors. Like I just wanted to live on a plot of land by myself in the middle of nowhere. And I realize now, although I, oh my God, excuse me, although I still want to live on a plot of land in the middle of nowhere, it stems from not wanting to have to assert my boundaries, right? Out of fear that someone would want to leave our connection or be mad at me for my boundaries. But if I'm not around anybody, I don't need to assert any boundaries, right? I always associated like me having boundaries with kind of me being a bitch. And I know that sounds silly, but it's true. That's how I felt for a really long time because that's how I was made to feel when I set boundaries. Because it was like, how dare you have the audacity to set a boundary? And I internalized that for so long that I felt it wrong to set boundaries. I felt an immediate sense of anxiety, of, a, of like pending abandonment if someone, if I were to set a boundary and someone didn't like it. So it's definitely, when you start your, your journey into setting healthy boundaries and asserting them, one thing you definitely need to take a look at is the shadows and the traumas that you are still working through and see how they are blocking you from getting to that goal of setting and asserting healthy boundaries. Now, like I mentioned earlier, there's going to be times where unhealed people do not appreciate, accept, or honor any boundaries. So there, there's a lot of reasons why someone who 
is on the receiving end of boundaries may struggle with them. And that includes that the fact that they may lack personal boundaries themselves or that they learned early on in their childhood that they lacked control of their autonomy. You know, they're still acting out of codependency and abandonment traumas. They lack self-awareness. And in some cases, your boundaries might inhibit their ability to manipulate and or misuse and abuse your lack of boundaries. They liked you better when they, when you didn't have boundaries and they had access to you and they were able to manipulate you and they were able to get whatever the hell they wanted from you because you lacked personal boundaries. Mm. So now after all of this, I'm sure you're asking, so how do you assert and implement your boundaries? And I'm very glad you asked. So first and foremost, like I just said, revisit your shadows and your traumas that reinforced that you don't have the right to have boundaries. So anything in your childhood or in your shadows that make you feel like you do not have the right to set boundaries, you're just going to go ahead and review that and let that shit go. Forgive yourself and let it go. You're also going to need to understand what your needs and wants are. Uh, well, yeah, understand what your needs and wants are, but understand that your needs and wants are just as valuable as that of others. So what others want and need from you, what you want and need from you comes first, and it should be that way. And with it being that way, it doesn't make you selfish. It doesn't make you um, insensitive. It makes you cognizant of the fact that you are the only person in the world that you can account for. And you standing up for yourself and you setting healthy boundaries is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Okay? Learn to say no. <laughs> Learn to say no when you want to say no. No is a full and complete sentence, honey. And then also how to identify when a boundary has been crossed. Right? If you set a boundary and you're kind of like it's a soft boundary, meaning that uh, on a good day, it's all right. On a bad day, don't try me. That's what a soft boundary is to me. But learn to identify when a boundary has been crossed so that you know how to move accordingly afterwards, right? So next, you need to let go of people who are toxic and consistently push or cross your boundaries. Anyone who has crossed your boundaries after you communicated the boundary, right? And after you've given them an alternative and then after you, let's say you've given them a warning, they, they've done it once and they continuously do it again, there has to be a consequence that comes along with the violation of your boundaries. Otherwise, people are going to continue to push it to see just how much they can get away with. And then lastly, communicating clearly and respectfully what your boundaries are and the consequences for crossing the line. So how many times does somebody have until you cut them off? These are things you need to define with yourself first, and then you'll be able to go out and when you need to assert your boundaries, you'll know exactly what it is you want to say, what you need to say, and how it's going to go And on your end. Obviously, you don't know how someone else is going to receive it, but at least you'll know exactly what you, what you want to say, and you'll mean it because you know that these are boundaries you set when you weren't under pressure or in a situation where you had to assert them, right? They already were existing. Right. So then you ask yourself, what are you supposed to do when your boundaries are violated? And this is what I have decided is a healthy response to having my boundaries violated. Everyone's going to be different, but this is just me for me personally. So I recommunicate the boundary. That's my first step. Right. 
Then I address the violation. What happened? How it made me feel? Why I felt violated? Why I felt disrespected? And really re like putting my honest and true feelings respectfully out on the table. And then lastly, I would communicate future consequences if the boundary keeps being disrespected and crossed. If you continue to do this, we can't be friends anymore. And that's it. Just like that. There's no need for an explanation. There's no need for, oh, um, I, you don't understand. No, I understand. I've communicated my boundary now twice. You have violated it. I told you what would happen if you continue to violate it and you continue to do so. So now this is the consequence. There has to be consequences with boundaries. And I don't mean like punishments or anything like that, but there has to be consequences where people will know that you mean business. Otherwise, those boundaries don't mean shit. Okay? So now, really quick, because we're running out of time. Wow, that was really quick. So what are some healthy personal boundaries? I'm just going to give you guys few recent ones of mine. So maintaining a healthy bedtime and following through with it. So for me, this is a boundary because I need to tell myself, like, hey, it's time to walk away from whatever it is you're doing. Getting a good night's sleep is important. It is a boundary. It is a value of mine. We're going to honor it. We have to honor it. And that goes both ways. Like, if you're on the phone with somebody and it's past your bedtime, it's okay to let them know, hey, it's time for me to go to bed. Can we finish this conversation another time? And if they say no, you can still hang up and say, okay, good night. We don't have to finish it. That's fine. <laughs> you know? Um, giving yourself time before accepting or agreeing to share your time, space, or energy with others. So this one is big. Not forcing urgency on yourself to answer or respond because someone else has a sense of urgency. Right? Lack of planning on your part does not constitute an, er uh, an emergency on mine. Period. Right? So, and then lastly, ownership and agency over your finances. Oh, my God. So, living within your means and not not offering more than you have to give. So, if your friends are saying, hey, we're going out to dinner and you know you don't have no money or you know the last bit of money in your account is for work next week, honor that boundary. Don't, don't overspend. Live within your means. And those are just a few of my most recent boundaries, right? All right. So, of course, I've got some resources for you guys. Um, these are three books that I highly suggest when you're learning more about boundaries and when you want to begin implementing and asserting those boundaries. The first being Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. This one I'm reading right now at the moment. It's actually really good. It's clear cut. I like books that get straight to the chase. The second resource is Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Glover Tawab. This one I have purchased. It's next on my reading list. And lastly, we have Healthy Boundaries by Janice Bryans. Um, and as always, these resources are going to be available in the description of the episode. But this one, I actually I have um, on order and I'm waiting for it to be delivered. But these are the three books that I'm going to really be diving into to better help me understand, assert, and set boundaries that really are healthy and matter to me and my my morals and values, okay? So then we, we have our journal prompt. Now this one is really in-depth. It's a three-part question. The first part, what are your core values? 
right? What are your core values? Are they still valid to the person that you are becoming? And lastly, what boundaries are you afraid to implement to protect those values? And why are you afraid to implement them? Now, these are some questions that I feel, for me personally, I couldn't answer in one sitting. I couldn't. I mean, if you can, Godspeed. But I couldn't. I had to take time to really understand in order to answer all three questions, right? So, whew. All right, guys. So <laughs> that was the boundary episode. Before we go, I do want to go ahead and pull a card, as we always do. So today we're going to be using a different deck, and I wanted to leave enough time because the 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 readings that go along with this particular deck are very in depth. So it definitely could take up to like eight minutes. I hope. Well, we only have about eight <laughs> eight minutes left. Um. So yeah, I might uh have to look into some alternatives because I never thought my episodes would go a full hour. All right, so let's go ahead and pull this card so we can read it in full. So I'm reading from the Sacred Rebels Oracle. I felt it really fitting because setting boundaries is definitely a rebellious act when you have been conditioned to people please or you deal with codependency and abandonment wounds, or when you lack self-autonomy. Like, being a rebel is definitely one of the aspects <laughs> of setting those healthy boundaries. All right, so let's see. What cards do we need for today's episode of Boundaries? What cards do we need for today's episode of no, I know. Okay. Ooh, that was quick. Ooh, diving for light. Number 11. Now, 11 is a master number for those of you who are into numerology. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. Bear with me. Like I said, it's a little long. How brave you are. You are diving for light. It can be so much simpler to seek light in the heavenly, in that which is blissful, sweet, loving, and kind. To look for the light in, in that which is dark, is an advanced task that only a rebellious and brave heart will attempt. You may not feel that you have taken such a journey by choice, yet you have taken this wise challenge on from deep within your soul. Your innermost being has evoked this situation in your life with the intention that you grow in power, wisdom, and creative juice. It also wants you to experience a bold and fearless trust in life and become further empowered to live it with zest and courage. The Oracle of Diving for Light speaks of a time when you are called into darkness through life circumstances, situations, relationship, challenges, or inner struggles that defy clear understanding. That darkness might be a creative block, a sense of being in a void, or feelings of depression, rage, sadness, fear, or anxiety. There may or may not be an obvious cause. The darkness might be generally accepted and socially acknowledged because there is a socially acceptable or obvious reason for it, such as a death, divorce, or retrenchment. However, there may be no obvious justification for your experience of darkness. You might not need a reason to be able to accept it. Likewise, you may struggle to find an unconditional acceptance of your experience. Just know that you are actually on track and right where you need to be. Our creative process and our spiritual path go through a similar turning of the wheel. 
There is spring and summer in the seasons of our soul, as well as in the earthly ones. There is the autumn harvest and there is the death inherent in winter, when energy is concentrated and pulled within to seek out the darkness where it can rest. Regenerate and simply be until the time is right for new life, energy and creative inspiration to burst forth. When diving for light, one must be willing to bear the darkness and understand it has a purpose, much like winter does upon the earth. It is not an error or through lack of consciousness that you are here now. It is testament to your spiritual growth and creative process, not a sign that they are lacking or stalling. The healing process below will help you with your inward plunging and to successfully navigate it. This oracle brings particular guidance that although you are powerful, you are also vulnerable at this time. You need to be alert to sabotage and criticism that may make your progress more difficult than it already is. That would, that would be rather unnecessary. At least some of the people around you might be more attached to their fear and doubt than to their faith in, in your process and the ways of creative, rebellious, spiritual path that asks us to trust unconditionally. They may be frightened due to a lack of understanding. You don't need to carry their fear for them. You have your own process to attend to and they choose to be inspired by your journey or frightened by it. They are free to respond as they wished. Whatever those responses are, they are part of their journey for them to work to, through. See, boundaries. You also need to be vigilant against the darker forces within you. These are the voices that, may, that you may not expect, particularly if you have a pure-hearted being if you are a pure-hearted being, who typically resonates with love. These voices or feelings may surprise you with their dark intensity. They may be feelings of hate, terror, or wanting only to sleep, because anything further is all just too hard. They may contain vicious criticism of yourself, or tell you that your inner creative work is pointless, unoriginal, not worth it, or stupid. These dark forces might try to tell you that you are on the wrong path, suggest that you will fail, or ask with great condescension, who the hell do you think you are? You must stay in your heart and not believe these dark forces. Diving for light is a spiritual test and a threshold for all true creative work. We successfully navigate our way through this test and pass the threshold into new creative birth by staying connected to the light of compassion in our own hearts. So yeah, this was really in-depth. I don't know who this was for, but if you're going through a hard time right now, this card is just really letting you know that it's only temporary and there is light at the end of the tunnel and you are the light the light is within you right now during this dark time you have to carry the light right that that's really what i get from that card so we've only we've almost reached our an hour mark guys and you know i i just want to say thank you again for everyone who listens to the podcast but most importantly, anyone who started doing their healing work, I want to thank you because you are also working to raise the vibration of the planet and the world. And the more healing that we all do, the better place that the, the better a place the world will be. And for that, I am truly grateful. So to all you beautiful souls, I'd love to thank you for listening to the Boundaries episode. And I invite you to complete your journal prompt. There is a Q&A section now available on Spotify, 
when you listen to the podcast. If you want to ask me any questions, feel free. I'll be more than glad to answer them. If you have any suggestions, I'm always open. You can find me on TikTok at the Shauna Monologues, and I'll be glad to get your feedback there as well. So beautiful souls, I pray that you have a wonderful, magnificent, marvelous, rest of your night, day, week, whenever you are listening. Know that you are loved. Know that you are blessed. Keep the faith and you have all of my love, all right? Your girl, Aura Jade, is signing out and I'll catch you guys next episode. Later!